Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Focus, Focus, Strike, our podcast dedicated to nerd console generally and Legend of the Five Rings specifically. It's March 19th. It's just about midnight on the East Coast and slightly before midnight here in Mountain Time. It's Brian Burf, your host, Focus, Focus, Strike. Glad you could listen in today. We have a special guest with us today, Alex. Alex is the person responsible for starting all the fun stuff, such as the Strike the Summit Dance. Or uh, is there, what are they calling it now? Suburban mugs? Uh, yep. Some people have started calling it that because uh, to be honest, strike the summit as much as I love is a bit of a mouthful. Also, hi, new friends. Yes, that's Alex Jacobs, by the way. Dance instructor, overall good guy, sixth ring, uh, fun person. I had to spend a lot of time with him at Worlds. Was a part of the Legend of the Five podcasts or more. Uh, so he was there with us. We'll be chatting today about some L5R stuff and community stuff. Uh, Wilson I helped find the time. for that. Well, the first one. Yes, that is true. I've never won. And that is Blake. Blake is also with us. He's Ooh. in the studio handling the recording volumes and making sure that we can hear everything. <laughs> yes. Well, it's your studio apartment. It'll work. Because now no one's allowed to be in the same room apartment. with each other. So we will all have good stuff. Uh, say hello, Mr. Blake. Hello, Mr. Blake. I mean, hello, everyone. That is good. So it's March the 19th. All organized play has been canceled. Uh some people on the internet were kind enough to post the second pack of the latest cycle, uh, which is going to be fun because I have much complaining to do about this one. Uh, so we're going to talk with Alex. We're going to get his opinion on a couple of these cards just to see what he thinks of them to see because some of them were previously spoiled, but I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about these ones here. Can I quickly ask, uh, Alex, do you have any kind of professed clan loyalty or are you a play as it, play it as it comes kind of player? I am a thoroughly dedicated dragon player, although I will occasionally dip into other clans. Uh, I enjoy playing Crane, and usually if I'm running another deck, it's because either uh, someone's asked me to play, run them for practice, or they keep beating me and I'm trying to understand what how they're doing it. <laughs> nice. I'm, gl- I'm glad to see that you're not the only person, or at least made me feel like I'm not the only person who learns how to play decks just to take them apart from the inside. So if I play crab enough times, I'll see what's broken, like how to break it, like where the cracks are. You start to realize this is the part where my deck, if my opponent does blank, the deck's going to fall apart. And then when you play against that deck, you can start doing blank. Yep. Or the creating a scenario whereby I know if I buy this character against this deck, I'm going to lose the game. So I'm going to put him in a position where he buys that character. Uh, I guess we'll start with cards because the pack two thing, while not official, some of the cards were from their official spoiler. Uh, have you had a chance to look at these, Alex? I, I have. Uh, I read them when uh, the initial leak went up. And um, given that it's now available for order on the FFG website, I expect by the time this uh, the podcast gets posted, there might even be an official posting of the cards. Well, that would be a bonus. Because then, you know, we don't have to spoil anything, which is a really big thing. Um, mm. I'm actually curious. What do you th- like? I was looking at the provinces in general as a suite, and they all look really good to me. Uh, except for the unicorn one. Maybe it's because I'm a unicorn player, and thus, you know, I'm going to be forced to look at this card all the time. Uh, but I was thinking I would much rather have had any of the other three as unicorn provinces. Like, I love Shinsei's Last Hope. Because uh, Shinsei's Last Hope is uh, is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And it fits right into the crab deck of buying a bunch of cards for free. Uh, it fits into the rally co- uh, combination. Um should we tell people what these cards do before we keep yeah, talking yeah, about it's them? Usually oh, a oh absolutely. I'm assuming some of them have seen it. But it's a three-strength province called Shinsei's Last Hope. 
It is also unique because should say, I guess, Last Hope has to be his last hope. If he had two last hopes, one of them would be erroneously titled. Uh, it's Fair. evident, so you know it's going to interplay face up. It's a Earth and Water province because you know what the world needs more of: Water provinces. Uh, and it just basically says, as a trait, each character played from this province costs two less to play and enters play dishonored. So I have a question: When did they Fire start away. sneaking in multi-element? provinces so that's actually been a trade for all the eminent provinces really uh, oh. since you don't want your if you're running a keeper deck you don't want your opponent to know uh which elements you you've taken up already so yeah. it still keeps some of the guesswork in your face down provinces i actually think that's a pretty interesting design space oh is that not part of the game start role declaration uh well when you make your deck you have to say uh like if you're doing a, a deck list you have to say what element the province is for uh, right but your just because the card is face up at the start of the game, your opponent doesn't know which role that is. So if oh, I'm okay. if you've got a keeper deck, like and I you, I see Shinsei's Last Hope, I know that could be your Earth Province or your Water Province, even. But you might have another Earth somewhere or another Water. Now, yeah. does it and, count for both during the game? Uh, yes, it has yes. both traits. So if your opponent is running Garanto oh, yeah. Guardian, uh, and uh, what's the uh, Phoenix the Eminent One for part? Or though the natural or something like that is yeah. the natural world. But um, if you're if there's a card that interacts with the element on the on the province, then it can interact with either or both of the elements there. Sweet, <clears throat> very much so. Yeah, I think that one was just free money. It's like that's you know oh, yeah. I just it, what the crab needed more of was gas. <laughs> uh, like I mean, I want if they offered me that in unicorn, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. Well, the one thing that this really hits Crab for um, is the Dishonored, since Crab is really good at dishonoring their opponents. They're also really good at dishonoring themselves, since Crab does not have any inherent honor game. Mm. So with this, they're um, they're really taking a gamble that they can win before the Dishonor hits them too hard. Well, I can see that. I mean, there's also the things in their, in their overall deck design. I'm just thinking, though, as like a Unicorn player, one of the problems is we have a very wide spread of playable personalities. There's some really good five drops and some really good one drops. So your deck has to be fairly balanced depending on what kind of style of deck you're running. If you're you running a theme it. Yeah, but the thing is, is that because you have five costs, they could really clog up things, even though you have some ways, other ways to cheat them out. I'm not saying that's not there. But when you don't get them, uh, that kind of card says, well, okay, well, I could just spend three and bring him in dishonor. <laughs> it's not he's not as good. But at least, you know, he, he prevents me from getting like, yep, that was a bad turn. Uh, hmm. The the other one... I, I, really... I think that pretty much every clan runs this if they have it as an option. Yeah, I, I would say that. So, so what's, what's the offending unicorn one? What's the, what's the not up to snuff one? Oh, this is the other eminent province. It is the wind's path. Unfortunately, the wind's path is also unique. I guess there's only one wind in Rokugan. Hmm. Uh, or at least it refers specifically to the name of the path. Uh, and it is a five-strength province, so at least stronger. Stronger than any other evident province I've seen so far. Uh, it's a fire-water province, which is so, useful so because you... not an air province. Not an air province, even though it is the wind's path. Go figure. That, that seems like an oversight, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Together uh, they make steam, so there's the wind. Problem solved. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> evident. And this is, during conflicts, you may play each character in this province as if it were in your hand. Each character played in this way must enter play the conflict. Right. So it's a very okay. minor economic boost because in theory you could pass quicker to get passing fake. Mm -hmm. But, eh. 
Like, I'm not sure where this is going to, because you still got to have a character to play to start the conflict. Well, but, I think I think you're I overlooking mean, the, the greatest asset that this province has. It has the road trait. Oh, yes. <laughs> As it hit the road. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it's it's one of these no, no, provinces. That's, that's my entire argument there. Yeah, it, it, they're, they're, the thing is, five is my lucky number. There are five rings in this game. It has five province strength, I guess, is another equally valid reason to run it. Um, it's just not there. Because I'm looking, like, I actually wanted to take a quick peek at the non-eminent, but the Phoenix province. If I had this province, I would be the happiest player on Earth. Like, literally, they have uh, it's a four strength, uh, retire to the Brotherhood, uh, okay. reaction, after this province is revealed... Yep, it's a province. It's okay. a water province. Go figure, because it replaces those lousy water provinces. After this province is revealed, each player discards each character they control with no fate. Reveals cards from the top of their dynasty deck until an equal number of characters are revealed and puts those characters into play. Shuffle. Uh, so Shuffle the deck or shuffle your discard into your deck? Uh, uh, shuffle shuffle the... the deck. Okay. Yeah, because the other ones went to the bottom. Or no, discard all characters they control with no fate. Yeah. So you well, have to like if you revealed holdings, then those would get yeah. uh, shuffled into the deck. Yes. Yeah. There's a little bit of logic there. Yeah. I can understand. Um, I don't mind it. I generally like things of like, I would have preferred that it would have said from a rules perspective, just from judging, that if it just uh, said discard all cards that don't enter play, shuffle works as well. I just well, say it because it's just because shuffle. you want players not handling their deck as much. If the well, cards the shuffle the is actually a big not. problem for it uh, with the bird deck, since all the cards that forebear, all the characters with forebears echoes, then get go to the bottom of the deck. All of a sudden, now they get shuffled back into the deck, and you're going to see them again a lot faster. No, that's true. The shuffle does help in that respect. I will give it that. I looked at this for my unicorn zoom deck. And I'm like, so let me see if I got this straight. Uh, between those who serve, which is probably going to get restricted at some point because everyone's yeah. saying, "Oh no." Uh, and doing that stuff. But with this, it's like, so I buy six characters. I throw five of them at your province. I win. If you attack and you hit this province, I discard all those characters. The new characters don't show up in the conflict, which means there's you have nobody left here if you didn't have fate on them to begin with. So the province, in some respects, almost defends itself. And then finally, uh, I get a whole new set of characters to attack with. This would be awesome. Well, do the characters that... Uh are put into play uh, from this card. Are they put into play in the conflict or at home, or is there a choice? At home, there's no choice. It just says, oh, it says actually, each after, discard each character you control with no fate, reveals cards to top of the deck until equal number of characters are revealed. It puts those characters into play. My guess is you would get to choose the conflict or not. That's one that needs some clarification. Either, either yeah, way, it's crazy strong. Yeah, I would hope it would read into the conflict, but... If they don't want to, I can totally understand. Like I'm just thinking replacing like, the existing characters. That would make sense. Yeah, unicorns. Like not. I replace six Wheaties, and maybe I hit a Chagatai in my in my lunch. You know, there's just cool yeah. stuff. I mean, these are the cards I like. I mean, uh, what did you think of the dragon cards in this set overall? Th there are dragon cards in this set. Uh, yeah, I believe they restricted the ball to the void roll, except for the bug, who also does nothing. But uh, that I, keeps I just, the theme. I just saw a giant pile of disappointment. Ooh. Yeah, it was Wheel of Disappointment. We're talking Wrath of the Emperor caliber disappointment. The, the art on them is good. Like, I, I I like that we get a goose. That's fun. That part is true. I mean, mm. you know, it, it is the goose that did not lay golden eggs. 
do you at least have a good underdog? Nope. <laughs> I'm so missing a reference like, oh, here. Oh, this is terrible, but I'll play with him anyway because he's secretly awesome, and I will somehow win because that will prove he's awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, these or, cards yeah. are definitely watering rodent yeah. territory. Oh. I mean, yeah, in theory, okay. you can win with them, but that would be a bet. Um, so, Traveling Philosopher is the dragon character from this pack. Um, they're a 2-3 uh, for 3. Uh, interrupt when this character leaves play, choose an unbroken province you control, turn that province face down. Uh, so as part of a face down province theme, that dragon uh, have, have kind of had touch and go throughout. Uh, mm -hmm. The problem is we have another character, uh, Kitsuki Yuruma, who already does this, but he does it when he enters play. So we, we have mm -hmm. the same effect, but better, and he's not, he's not seeing play right now. Uh, right. The other dragon card, I think, is actually very interesting, and we'll see no play whatsoever. That's Mountaintop Vigil. This is a one-cost event, void roll only. Action during a conflict gets all ring effects until the end of the conflict. Oh, yeah. And so, like, it, it turns any conflict into pilgrimage, which, which is a decent effect. Mm -hmm. um, then we're seeing more cards that activate ring effects. Like we've had this Seeker and Guardian Kami for a while. There's Garanto Guardian. Um, yeah. Again, from the Echo Bird deck, we're seeing uh, Isawa Kaede making some uh, comebacks. So being able to cancel two to three ring effects uh, with her is actually pretty decent. The main problem is not that this is Void Roll only, but that it costs one fate. Nobody's going to be running this on a just-in-case basis at one fate. No, that that's a, that's a direct meta call that you know you're going to hit something and you yeah. need it. Yeah. Like, yeah if I it costs zero, I could see someone running it for... Maybe like one, maybe two copies just as a backup of I don't want to use my void slot for pilgrimage. Um, this does what I need to, to for the same effect. Um, uh, what's its um, uh, influence cost? Uh, one influence. Okay. Um, like, and so it, it might, does have, might see some outsourcing. I, I could see it. I could see it being outsourced a little bit, but uh, like it has some counterplay against uh, the crab when you successfully defend and resolve a ring card, um, though we haven't seen a whole lot of those since Kravitz has taken over. But mm. this really reminds me, actually, of one of the core cards that sees no play, um, uh, Tranquility, which was a zero-cost event, and said characters outside the conflict cannot cannot use their abilities. And oh. that card had no play in core whatsoever. It actually could have some utility now, like a, is what I've been taking another look at. Since we are seeing a lot more movement, we're seeing better abilities printed on characters. But yeah. like Murph was saying, it's a medical, and the meta doesn't actually need need an effect like this at the moment. Yeah, right. when I first saw Mountaintop Vigil, my first thought was, if there was ever a card that screamed cost reduction, this is the one. Yep. I can understand it costing one on the defense, but it should have cost nothing on the offense. Because in theory, I'm the one giving up my ring effect. Uh and I'm right. doing it for a reason. Maybe it's because I don't want it to go off. Maybe it's because I don't want you to display a power of the ring. Uh, you know, there are other reasons. <laughs> but the fact that I have to spend one and lose a card, and the influence value on this card is too low. I mean, one, because it costs one, is fine, because no one's going to play it anyways. I could see this card being really useful in like uh, uh, as a replacement for the Scorpion decks that are running like the phoenix thing the palumbo style build mm -hmm. uh and would replace it with a dragon splash because they could basically they don't need to steal the ring effect they could just easily just cancel it right then nothing else could go wrong then they could defend huh. and you know and make sure that you, you can't get the ring effect no matter how big you pump it oh you made your guy big enough to win the conflict okay i'm just gonna say that the ring of air does nothing for it 
<laughs> it's like, yay, all my cards wasted. Uh, yeah, let's let's like talk that. about happier things than. Uh... Okay, well, sure. I'll talk about a happy unicorn card because I think this has great art. This was the art they had on the playbat at Worlds. Oh. Uh, so if you have that playbat for being top eight, <laughs> you're a happy guy because the card is never yield. It's got the classic style because it's a philosophy. Unicorn have gotten oh. a lot of philosophies lately. It turns out yeah. we started thinking about our bad time. And we've been spending a lot of time waxing on it. It's like, so if the world is against you, do you turn against the world? Ooh, that's deep, man. Pick up a sword. Go kill people. Check. Um, <laughs> but this one is a zero cost event. Never yield. It's unicorn. It's got a four influence cost. So you can run it in other clans. Lion, I'm looking at you. Uh, reaction. After you declare an attack until the end of the conflict, each character you control cannot be bowed or moved home by opponent's card effects. Oh. Yeah, okay. So, I, I think this one's actually pretty decent. This yeah. one is amazing. First of all, it's preemptive. So it basically, I mean, the guy can't block thinking he's going to be able to do it, and then you drop this on him? Fine. But the fact is, you can also do it before the create can put the guy in the conflict to cancel reactions. Right. So from that point forward, you can't be bowed, you can't be moved home. If you have a steward of law, then by, you also can't be by disarmed. your opponent's effects. That that is yeah. relevant for unicorn. Yeah, I could do my own, but I'm not going to do though, unless I really want to bow my own guy. Want to move him home? The reason they had to put the moved home by opponent's card effects is because of diversionary tactic. Right. That would be stupid if you could do that. Yep. It's like I play this card that makes everyone run away, but my guys can't move. Aha! Welcome to old five R. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's the kind of thing we would do. Uh, yeah. This, this I think, is one of the strongest cards because it's a zero-cost event, so that's handy for Unicorn because they often don't have extra money laying around. Yeah. And usually you're just worried about can you keep your guys from getting bad because for shame with all the cheap courtiers. You're seeing for shame out of Scorpions, still occasionally out of Crane. You're seeing, all, you're seeing a lot of send home from Lion and other Unicorn. Oh, and uh, the stops Void Fist from Dragon. So this yes. stops about five out of seven plans. Like that's pretty good for a for a zero cost card. Yeah, I was yeah. bugging our local dragon player about not being able to fist me anymore, and he was very unhappy. He thought that <laughs> was far too much stuff. I I also really like uh, from this just a brief sojourn before we get to talking about other stuff because we don't usually review a lot of cards. I just look at the ones that really strike me as fun. Logistics. This is the zero cost lion event. It is a okay. it is a it is a conflict event. It's important to say this now because it could have been a dynasty event, but it's not. It's a conflict right. event, and it's a, it's a tactic. And the Ooh. action is choose a card in or attached to a province, move that card to another unbroken, non-stronghold province controlled by the same player. If there's oh. a battlefield in play, draw one card. So there's a bunch of things you could do with this card. You could first of all yeah. basically yeah. do province harpoon, where it's like I want to get rid of that pesky cootie labs, so bring it here because I'm going to crush mm -hmm. it at the same time, or bring over that pesky guy who you're going to charge, I, I or you know join the fray with, I want him gone. Uh, I could get rid of any holding to basically move it to a different province where I want it to be, uh, including my own. It takes care of a lot of the on stronghold provinces that Crab are getting now. Yes. I, uh, so basically I, another un, unbroken non-stronghold. You can move things around. You can also do things like move a really powerful card to an already broke, like from that province. Uh, and also it fills that 
that province faced out. Useful for other stuff. Mm-hmm. And if there's a battlefield in play, draw one card. And the battlefields aren't that bad. They're not great. But this is just that's a nice little kicker of like... I mean, it turns into a cantrip at that point. And cantrips are always good. Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, at least they replace themselves. For a zero, a zero cost, cost that replaces itself is always yeah. good. Doesn't matter yes. how bad it is. <laughs> well, unless you have nothing better in your deck. You put 40 of those together, you find out you have nothing to do. But you have a lot Fair. of cards to do it with. It is, yeah. I, I know I'm going into jank and dumb, dumb uh, combos here, but does mm. this let you move your opponent's stronghold? No, because it's not technically in the province. It's a weird double ruling yeah. from what I was looking at, because I don't understand why the stronghold is on a card, but it had to do with, because I asked this question when we were looking at... Uh, the, the the lion or the crab rally card right like if i move a card to the province and i discard it do i then refill it because there was a card there and that's what triggers the refill right. and it's like no because technically there's always a card in there it's the struggle but the struggle is not a card it's i can't wrap <laughs> my head around it being totally honest i would love to pull an opponent's stronghold into a place where i could just run it over on the first turn that would be awesome um, but all? luckily, I can't. I can move that card to another unbroken non-stronghold province, so I can't steal his stronghold that way. Yeah, you know. But that one's there. It's it's by far one of the more interesting ones. Uh, I will point out before we get to talking about community, because this is one of the things that Alex did that was really good for the community. You can go on to YouTube uh, and look up his channel and look for the Strike the Summit deck because he gives a really good explanation of how to play the deck. Oh, that's always good. And, and how it works. I think that was really good. Uh, was Were you doing it with Arash? Uh, so I did. It, Arash was the one who was encouraging me to do it. I did one of my own, and then I did another uh, where we did commentary together watching the playback. Ah. Yes. I, I, the one I, I done my own has much better sound, and I apologize to everyone for the crap sound of the one we did together. I think you guys had a lot of... Uh interesting stuff on the one you did together just listening to it it's like hearing how the mind works is oftentimes one of the things we when we're teaching new players it doesn't come across as well like i i know a lot of times when i was teaching new players it'd be things like they'd go to do something and i would just say okay why are you doing that because i can exactly that's fine because sometimes they were even making the right play (laughs) not always but but some of the time they were and be like well why are you doing that why did you choose that and it's like, well, because of this, like, that's exactly right. That's exactly why I would have done it too. Yep. Uh, but they don't see that second level of thought, which is my opponent is probably going to have X. He's probably going to play it as soon as I do this. So I'm going to bait out that card with this so that I can play the card I really want next. Uh, you know, like he's only got so many counters. So I'm going to keep dropping things he has to counter so he can't counter my cavern reserves. Mm. You know, but luckily, maybe he'll let one of these other power cards through because he's waiting for cab reserves. You know, the dodge parry thrust of uh, Jake and moving back of, and forth. Yeah, of, of in-game tactics. It's, yes. It's always interesting to see what people in situations like that. Well, I, I also so, say for uh, new players, just getting to watch a lot of the games, like literally going to Jigoku and watch what people are doing and yes. talk yourself through the game. Like, try and, like, it's the amateur sports people watching a game tear their hair out going, why are they doing this thing? And then you either see that they, they had a reason to do it or uh, they did not have a reason and they lost. My favorite one for that was there was a new player. I was playing on Jago, and all I had left to play based on the stuff that he did was a Tetsuko with two fate 
was he assassinated by another guy during his first attack. Right. And Tetsuko was going to be the tower. It was the GPO tower build. Thank you, Christian. Hmm. And I played against Unicorn, and I swing into a province. And my opponent goes, the guy watching the game says, why are you doing that? And I'm like, because I have to. And he's like, you don't have to attack. But what if you're into the endless plates? I'm like, because of what he's already done and what his board position is, if I don't break that province right now, I'm going to lose the game anyways. I'm just speeding up my potential for loss by saying I'm taking a game that's about 90% loss and I'm willing to make it 100% loss right now because it's the only way I'm going to get it back to 50-50 win. I did win, by the way, in two turns nice. because I didn't hit those plates. As it also turned out, my opponent wasn't running it, added bonus. But <laughs> uh, it, it showed me the value of running endless plays. But it was mostly the fact that somebody just calling me out on that, saying, why did you do it? It's like, yeah, it was an incredibly reckless move unless you know this matchup and you know that this is not going to work for you uh, so, if you go any further. On that note, one of the things our local playgroup has done a couple times is we have a called Dojo Days, where we'll take two players and we just set them up and they'll play open-handed and talk themselves through the game and everyone else will stand around them and ask about their decisions or give advice, but it is, it's been very enlightening about how to make these decisions. And if you're new to the game, I highly recommend it as a way to learn. Yeah, no, that's that's a great idea. See, we, we used to do that for our testing per, testing pools because playing against one person is tough, but playing against three people where they get to hive mind with each other is, especially when they all know what deck you're playing, <laughs> and they're like, okay, you know exactly what I'm doing. And there's three of them like, well, what about this play? What about that play? They start talking their way through it of like what they think is the ideal play. Uh, interesting. But we talked about community. So I'm going to segue very unsmoothly. Uh, basically, as many of you may have heard, there's a virus out there. So we're all getting to stay inside. And that's had an impact. A lot of OP has been canceled uh, mm. or at least suspended until further notice. Uh, there are a few events to all the FFG site that are listed as happening because the official conventions that they're attached to have not been canceled yet, is my assumption. Because there are a couple ones that were still there. Everything else is saying ah. delayed, postponed, whichever. Uh, as I had a photo, uh, what is your current state of like how you're viewing the community as a whole? Uh, so first thing to say if, is that I would recommend everyone, even if events are not officially canceled, expect them to be canceled. Uh, yeah. Your local events should be put on hold. Uh, it, stay inside, stay home as much as possible. Don't overload the medical system. Uh, they don't don't be the reason that we still have to be huddling around inside in August. <laughs> um, so everyone do their part. Here, here. Um, second, um, see, uh, this is a great time to do a lot of other things. Like, uh, like it, I'm, so I've talked to a lot of people that don't like playing on Jagoku. And I get it. Playing it, playing in person, playing with your friends is more fun than playing against a computer screen. But it's still better than nothing. Uh, it lets you get into reps. People are trying new things. Uh, the new Discord league, league launch. Um, so it's actually pretty much easier to schedule games right now because everyone's schedules have been largely cleared. Um, you've got other people like uh, uh, Steel Fur, uh, aka Finbar. Uh, who's organizing? Um, who's organizing a one-day tournament, like basically uh, a, um, a cote, but held entirely online, uh, running the whole thing in real time. Uh, now it doesn't know if there's going to be prizes for it, but if you just want to get some games in, um, like have the experience, that is not a bad way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as uh, as a side note, uh, for those people who 
don't like Jokoku, there are other options as well for online play. Um, I'm a big fan of Tabletop Simulator myself, but there yeah, are I, other options as well. Yeah. I think Tabletop Simulator lets you run some of the other formats, like multiplayer or uh, team exactly. format. Okay. Uh, so, could... If you haven't tried those things out, it's a good way to get some, uh, just do something a little bit different for right now. Exactly. So, in terms of like what's what's going on, now that OP is kind of ground to a halt, it's really a kind of a good time to take stock of, of what's been going on. Uh, what do you think is like the primary thing that OP is doing well? And maybe one thing that you would like to see improved going forward? Ooh. Um, I will say that the prizing is fantastic. Um, the cards they've come out, have uh, they're beautiful. They, each season they offer more and more prize support for everything from the Cotes uh, to the Grand Championships to the World Championships. Like if um, switching to, to doing a prize wall for everything, where you get Koku, which you get the prizes you want, um, that's been a blast. Uh, whereas like the first season, you went to one one event. If you did well, you got pretty much every prize you cared about, and there were there was no additional bonus from the prizes to go to other events. This uh, since then, you've got to go to a lot of stuff if you want to catch them all. So that part has been pretty good. Uh, I also think that OP has gotten much better about supporting side events at these things. Uh, initially, it was just the main tournament and proving rounds. And if you want, yeah, we can fire up a skirmish pod. Uh, at all the events, we're, see we're still seeing the skirmish pods. We're seeing enlightenment. We're seeing team play. Uh, we're, see uh, we're seeing OP being willing to support a lot of other things besides the main tournament and, and also ran proving rounds. So that part has been pretty good. Main thing that it's lacked, um, I mean, I'm, this is going to take me a little bit, but there's a couple reasons to, to go to a tournament. Uh, prizes are one of them. That's one thing that they've got down. Other reasons are a chance to play against people from another community uh, so that it's not just the same people in your local playgroup. The chance to hang out with and spend time with, pe with your friends, the socialization aspect, and the chance to affect the game. Uh, now, if they handle all the other aspects well and you get a large bunch of people, pretty easy to get pe other people to play against. So that opportunity to play, they're pretty good about that, or at least they can be. The other sides of things, uh, and socialization, they're not doing much about anything, and there's very little ways to affect the game. So they're really dropping the ball on those. Yeah. Um, now, to, to go, I don't want to look at old 5R through too much of rose-colored glasses, but... It was perfect. No flaws. Oh, okay, it, yeah. I'll look at it through the whole flash <laughs> rose-colored glass half empty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you take something like clan dinners. Those started out as very informal gatherings of let's just get together, uh, we'll mm -hmm. grab a couple of drinks, we'll eat some food, and call it a fun day. And that's all they were for a while. And then AG oh. found out about them, and they decided to support the clan dinners. They, uh, whether it was by giving swag or by showing up at the clan dinners, and saying, hey, you're, you're all the Lion players. We need to vote on which general you're going to go se uh, send to answer the Emperor's call. And all of a sudden, it met, it went from just hanging out with your friends to Our part my participation at this thing matters. Yeah. That is like that is a very, I don't want to say easy, but it's sort of, it is a simple way for FFG to support the community aspect of this. And it also goes in the last thing of a way to affect the game. Um, in Again, don't look this through rose-colored glasses. For a lot of old 5R, the only way to affect the game was to win a major tournament and get to make a storyline prize. But we also saw a, um, 
a lot of eras like the Race for the Throne, uh, like the other yep. mega games, yeah. where you're not a great player. Okay, that's fine. You 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 make great costumes. Come and win at some political place. You yep. know a lot of people. Uh, like you can gather trash bags full of cocoa and get us some economic points. Uh, like show were, up oh, to every single Kote you can get your hands on, and that'll get us points. Yeah, it was literally if you show up and play our clan, that is going to get us points. And so your participation mattered. It felt like being a part mm-hmm. of something. If, yeah. if I go to if I go to Kote now, and I do terribly, it has no effect. If I go to a Kote and and win the whole thing, I get a bunch of prizes and I get a ticket to Worlds maybe, but mm-hmm. that is the only effect it has. And right now, we there is no incentive to be part of the game because you care about it. There's incentive to go because you enjoy playing it, but not because you care. And that act is a that's actually a big disincentive to players that do care. Yeah, I, I have to say that is one of the things I, I do agree with, partially because, A, I was there for old 5R, so I was there for the first client dinners, uh, and I remember going through them, and I remember how they expanded, and I remember how happy I was for Unicorn Client Dinner 4 when somebody else asked, hey, do you mind if I run this? And I said, no, this is exactly how you do it. No takebacks. <laughs> and, and so, because nothing, nothing is ever rewarded less than volunteerism. Um, but... <laughs> Going through the steps, it's like one of the things now that I find is missing from events is that clan team spirit. Like, mm-hmm. I really did find it yeah. this year at Worlds from the Canada guys, because all the Canada guys were together, even though I had to step out for a second to take some insulin to miss the photo. But the fact no. that everyone from Canada was all cheering each other on, the Team Canada contingent was very big and it represented very well. Uh, but, like, when I play Unicorn, it's like, I play Unicorn because that's my self-identified tribe loyalty. But I'm a way better crab player than I am a Unicorn player. It's true. Um, like, I think I maybe I, I lost a handful of games playing crab out of about, I don't know, 50. Uh, it just doesn't happen very often because crab, I seem to have a better understanding of how to do everything in the right timing. But I don't feel like a crab. So... I don't necessarily want to be able to do that. And it would be nice if there were more things, because as you see more unicorn players, it's almost like uh, there's more people looking at each other like, oh, man, you're just one more competitor for the Hatamoto title. You know? huh? If there was less of us, I would have a better chance of getting that prize. Man, and it's I almost like the, the opposite. Don't, if don't, I poison the clan dinner, I would be the only one left. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean... Granted, there's always going to be those a perfectly things. good meal. Oh, I know. Uh, but I think that in that respect, like having ways to cheer on your client. Yeah. Like very, very awesome. I mean, most of that did happen. I will say for the old game uh, organically, it kind of grew. Most one step it, yeah. Time. So like, you had a reason. And the reason was there were players who played before I even into the game and they passed Ooh. along their ways of going forward. I remember going through the stages of showing up at tournament, get good at tournament, become a, a slightly better player, start to make cuts on a regular basis, and eventually getting introduced into like the network where everyone looks at you and goes, hey, it's Murph. Uh, <laughs> and then after a while, you basically become that guy who now introduces new guys into the clan because every time a new player arrives, you get, hey, Murph. This is Bob from my playgroup, and he likes Unicorn. Do you have any advice for him? And the first thing in core would have been, yeah, find another client. But in this game, 
It was usually, you know, we're glad to have you. You'd had a few rares of stuff that, you know, were all things that, you know, you'd, you probably had 50 Maybe a play mat. Play mat. Uh, sometimes at tournaments, you'd go there. It's like, hey, I just won this top of clan prize. So they gave me a play mat, these full bleeds, and this. Here you go. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the clan. <laughs> yeah. Because I really don't need another one of these. <laughs> and you happen to be here. So good on you. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing. And I think that this game isn't old enough yet to have those people entrenched. And there's a little bit of carryover from the previous and, of course, from the role-playing game side. But it's not to the same level by any means. Given Definitely. how long the average game cycle lasts for FFG, I don't know if it will get that old. I would agree on that front. I'm just thinking more about the fact that uh, the other part of it is, is that Prizic has more value in the FFG world than it ever did in the AEG world. Yes. Just because there was so much more of it that it was really devalued. So it's like a set of full bleeds is like, whatever, man. Like, do I really need my seventh copy of this? No. <laughs> uh, I could sell it, but that would require effort. And mm. I'd feel kind of scuzzy. And more importantly, the people in my community would look down on me. Yes. Because they'd be like, let's just that. give it to some noob. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I want to get paid and it's also a question of what is going to be more valuable to you, like the 20 bucks you could sell it for or having another player invest in the game. Exactly. I need to ask you guys questions because I haven't been to any of the big tournaments since oh, sure. things got going again, partially due to my own issues and partially because I haven't been able to get into it. Uh, the last quite tournament so I was at was PAX Unplugged, so I don't know how big a tournament that qualifies as. I mean, you know, it's a PAX, that's something. Uh, regardless, <laughs> um, do they we, still lose Bonsai? Say that again. They don't? Only once. I was there for... Oh. Only, only once. At it's, the start of all the no. old tournaments in, L, in Old 5R, they would start by having either a, <clears throat> quote, celebrity from the community, or one of the staff stand in front of everybody at the start of the tournament and be like, all right, so we're going to start the first round of the tournament. Everybody hoots! And then so the we... crowd would respond with Bonsai. Call and response three times. Though you were a Rantley player like myself, you'd say squeak instead. It's been taken out. FFG tried to do a new chant instead that just went uh, absolutely nowhere. Yeah, the new chant was was worse. Uh, the old one definitely had, like, there was, I can understand why it was removed, but the new one was worse. I mean, the one thing that it is missing, I think would have been able to survive had they wanted it to, if they had the taglines to the call and response. So, for example, the things you would hear at a normal event would be like the Rattling players would all be yelling squeak at the end. L loud enough so that you could hear the squeak in the deluge of other players. Yes. And you'd hear <laughs> all the my unicorn throat. guys, all the unicorn guys yelling for the con or the crab players yelling, Hida! Um, yes. And that kind quite of loud. I don't know what the Dragons players yelled because in reality, they were too far up in the tournament for me to worry about them. But... <laughs> They, they were there, and, you know, they, they, they would, said they something. Would run, they would yell bonsai, generally speaking. Yeah, we I did, mean, but really we should have just, um, it, it would have been more appropriate if we just sat quietly and waited for it to finish. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, that would um, have been perfect. Do you think Worlds this year is going to be uh, an invitational tournament, or they're going to keep it as possibly, like, one aspect of it being an invitation-only card tournament inside of a much larger umbrella of an event? Hmm. Um, that sounds better. I think the main event will be invite only, and I, I really don't like that term because it's not invite only. It is pre-qualified. 
I was actually very happy with how they ran the qualifications day last year. The only thing I wish they'd done was when they said Worlds was going invite only, if they'd also specified, and we'll have an LCQ uh, LCQ for the people that don't already have invites. That That's true. Yeah. Sorry, LCQ? Uh, last chance qualifier. Ah, yes. So if you show up and you you haven't won your invite at, an, at another event, at Worlds, uh, I think there were a hundred. It was something like a hundred four people showed up for the LCQ for ninety eight cool. slots, and FFG said, "Screw it, this is going to be terrible if you're one of the six people that doesn't qualify." So everybody gets in. It made it for a much better event. Yeah. The only people that weren't happy about it were the people that decided not to come to Worlds because they hadn't uh, made a made an event already. I mean, to be fair, to... those people weren't going to be very happy regardless of what happened. And some of them were my friends, and they were also people that were like showing up would have been a financial hardship for them. Oh, of course. Because uh, ha- the LCQ member is the first thing, uh, so that means you're committing to the entire long stretch. And yeah. look, if you're doing that and you think... No, trust me, I understand. Ever, yeah, I've got to commit to this, and I might not even make it. I, I, I get the math on that. For a lot of those people, I'm somewhat in that uh, category myself. Plus, I'll be honest, not the greatest player, especially nowadays. There is no happy ending there, right? Like, unless you happen to take the chance that there's going to be an event and get the money together and go and qualify, even then, when you come back, you're still, like, skint on cash and, you know, coming down from this amazing high. Eh, you know, even then, it's not it's not the best as it could be. So I sympathize greatly with anybody in that situation, on that note, I want to give a shout out to my friend uh, Joe Peggy's. I was at Ooh. Worlds this year, and one of my friends who didn't make the qualifier had a plan to show up. They at the last minute they find this hundred dollar airfare, and they're questioning: Should I show up? Should I not show up? And they message me and say, "Do you know anyone I can crash with?" And our room is full; we don't have space for it. And I say, "I'll ask around." I go to Joe and I say, "Joe, you've got a single friend of mine needs a place to crash," and. Joe doesn't know anything about this person. They just say, yeah, they can crash in my room. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> and that was the old L5R community spirit right there. There's a yeah. player who needs a hand. I don't know them. I'm going to help out. It's a beautiful thing. Props to Joe for being that person. Yeah, I would agree. I think that I've spent a bunch more time with the Magic community since old 5R died, and it's not the same. It's not even sort of the same. Why do you think that is? Uh I think a lot of it is the the clan identity part of it. Uh, if you look at some of our earlier podcasts, when it was still me, Drew, and Murphy, I pounded on the the clan loyalty drum real hard. And my my faction, not a clan, a faction, doesn't even exist at this point, and you have probably a card. never will again. Sorry, you have a card. Yay! There's a Zuby infiltrator. There's one yep. card. I. Yep, Soon I'm very two, happy with my my one card. Uh-huh. <laughs> Regardless, that aside entirely, it's still that the clan identity, people's draw being drawn to one clan or another, that is and has always been the strength of L5R, and the RPG supports that really, really well. Even if you're not necessarily into playing the RPG, there's still all this wealth of lore and all these iconic characters and art designs and so on and so forth that one can associate with. The clan dinners, of course, were an outgrowth of that and fed back into it. And Magic, you, you, I, I personally, 
play a lot of Simic decks. I like the combination of green and blue. But I'm not... Like, there's no Simic group to be a part of. Like, there is the Unicorn Clan, right? Supporting that more would be good of them, as we said earlier. But uh, this is a bias I have, so... Yeah, I'm thinking more about like the things I'm seeing at OP that I like versus the things I don't. I agree with the prize support because I think they're right. They've done a great job. Right. However, and to do that, they need to be able to do more with the storyline. And they don't, they're not able to publish as prolifically as AEG was. So there's less story to go around uh, for the story they're planning on telling. Uh, I actually was able to interview Tyler about this and yeah. discuss other things. And his point, and I respect this, though I fundamentally disagree, was that when there's only one player story choice per year, that's the one that the world champion gets to make, it ma- it makes getting to make that decision huge. Like, that is a big, big thing. I mean, that yes, that's no just true. Gets to do. That's true. But it also means that everything else people do feels a lot smaller. Yeah, and, the yeah. only thing that's important is that. Right. And I'm not saying I want to go back to every Kote winner, every every store championship winner should, no. uh, should get to make a story decision. But I would like something that like was the extreme uh, end of things too. Yeah, but like something they they had the roll vote cards and the plan uh, choice ca- uh, vote cards uh, from the early packs. Like mm-hmm. I would like something where if you win a Kote, you get a vote on something. You win a grand Kote, you get two vote cards. Uh, something. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it build something so that like. And it goes to the sun that's revealed at the World Championship. Uh, is that as cool as, as important as getting to make a decision on your own? No, it's not. But it does mean that winning it feels like it actually has an impact beyond getting to say, look, I want a Kote. And for those people that don't get to make it, but still have that that decision to make, there's more buy-in and interest in that event. Exactly. Especially if you're saving those cards to vote at the end. Like, clans exactly. can negotiate with each other. We're about to race for the throne situation. Uh, yeah, some of the most well, really interesting. Yeah, like I, I don't know about your clan's Discord, but one of the most active periods of the Dragon Discord was at the uh, 2018 World Championships, where we were debating and arguing with each other about what family we should choose for, uh, for our pick, about who was going to investigate what. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going with Kitsuki, which was pretty. There were a few diehard Kitsuki fans, but it was most people's second choice. Like very few people's first choice. But just about everyone's happy with it. Uh, if I can't get my first choice, they're a really it, good second it's, choice. It's that it's that easy compromise. Yeah. But the point was that we had to talk with each other and engage with each other to get to that compromise. Exactly. And yeah, again, props to Kingsley for being willing to honor the community's uh, decision on it. Yeah, I think the consensus thing. I mean, I know how we made all the decisions in Race for the Throne for the Unicorn Clan. So this is really straightforward. This is how the Unicorn make every decision. Hmm. Everyone sits down in a room. Everyone starts arguing with each other about who's right. Eventually, one person stands up and says, I'm responsible for this. If you do that in the Unicorn Clan, it's yours. No volunteer goes unpunished. Take it away. <laughs> and then they'll say, I think we do this. And unless the person's a complete fool, but if you're not a complete fool, everyone goes, well, that makes sense. Very well. We support the con. Go con. And that's it. And then after that moment, so remember, you have... 50 people in a room all arguing with each other, like almost about to come to blows over what to do until one person says, this is what we're doing. And everyone else says for the con and we're done. There's no debate past that point because you can say whatever you want. It's it's very much, this is like how the self-identified from the, from the sorting hat. When you pull a unicorn, it's, we all serve the con. We don't serve the emperor. The con serves the emperor. 
but we serve the Khan. If the Khan said, go get the Emperor, we would yank the Emperor out by his ankles and drag him through the streets. That's the unicorn way. But <laughs> one thing I'm noticing about OP that I missed is because of having a, a card tournament that is going to be like invitational with an LCQ, I would like to see OP pay more attention to the displaced regions. And by that, I mean like, I live in Calgary, Alberta. We have a population mm. of a million people. There is roughly a group of two and a half million people with multiple game stores in this region, which would be from here to like Saskatchewan is what I'm calling like our region. There is no event, store championship, prime, Cote, within 10 hours of here. Yeah. The closest is going to be Vancouver at 10 hours and 41 minutes, which you can actually do in eight hours if you're in a real hurry. It's hard to build a sense of community when those kind of things don't happen. And I know that a store may have to step up in order to take the lead on that. But sometimes this is where one of the things AG did well was somebody in their office would look at a map, look at where their products were selling, and then fold that place and say, hey, you buy all our stuff. Can you host this event? Because we have players in your region who want to do it. Kind of like the little bit of arm twisting yeah. of like, we would it would be a favor to us if you were to run this event. Well, there's uh, there's a certain pena, there's a certain cachet that comes with being the company that makes a thing versus being a player that plays a thing, right? Yeah, you can be the, the you know. enthusiastic as all get out as the player, but you well, don't have the same our, pull. Our elemental championship, the only one we had, which wasn't even in one of the main cities, it was in an off city that's three hours away from here, drew hmm. more people than the Irish Cote. But there was a reason for that because well, everything got canceled because the world went to pot. Uh, as we were all Cough. playing Zombicide. But I'm just saying, it's like, that's that's my little bit of a rant. Uh, I just want to finish off. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you for coming. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Time. Well, it's always, it's always fun to, you don't we, have to do anything. try to make it fun. Yell at us. <laughs> uh, that, we're not going to talk about anything dirty today, although we'll probably talk about nerd stuff next week when we talk about things I watched on my involuntary vacation. Uh, <laughs> Uh, by the way, one little tip, though, watch Westworld. If you have a chance, because you have HBO in the States or in Canada, if you have Crave, watch Westworld. Season three, episode one. Not going to spoil it for you, but if you don't watch it, you might as well poke yourself in the eye with a pencil because you're going to hate yourself. Because oh. if you follow the original Westworld, Westworld had a sequel, Future <laughs> World. This yep. was by far one of the worst movies ever made. This is like the <laughs> top 10 category. But the premise of the movie was really good. The problem was they were trying to use 1950 Doctor Who technology to try to make this futuristic movie. <laughs> Bad idea. I mean, without the yeah, Dalek it, report, it just all goes downhill. So, but now yeah. in Future World, where they're talking about AI, we now have more of a frame of reference where this kind of stuff is stuff Imminent, we could see happening. not already happening. Yeah, it's close enough to us that we could see this as like a slight extension on the truth. Watch season three, episode one. Then you can go to our group on Facebook, Focus, Focus, Strike. Uh, you can look up me, Brian Murphy, on Facebook. I will gladly answer your questions. You can send something to at FFS Podcast on Twitter or even email us at focusfocusstrike at gmail.com and tell me how bad the show was. Yeah, you can reward us or you can even text Alex for tap dancing through this for us. Good mm. job, Alex. Yes. Good job, Mr. Blake. Good night, all. As I remarked earlier this week, Huh. So this is what it's like to be in the first 15 minutes of a zombie apocalypse. Bye, all.